This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, my name is Pete Nicholas and I'm one of the ministers at Inspire St. James Clerkenwell. Well, last Sunday and this Sunday, we're grappling with a question that we're all feeling, even if we might frame it in slightly different ways. Where is God in this pandemic? In 1 Thessalonians 4, the Apostle Paul talks about the way that when Christians grieve, they do not grieve as those who have no hope. And in saying that, notice that he's not saying that Christians don't grieve, as though there's some glib answer that believing in God just makes all the problems of this world go away. No, he's saying there's a danger of disengagement, that is of not grieving, of not engaging with the problems of this world. But there's also a parallel um, danger of despair, that is that as we grieve, we do not have hope. So disengagement and despair are two errors we might fall into. Now, as you think about this question, it might be that you're framing it in a particular way and you're wondering, does God even exist if there's so much suffering and evil like coronavirus in the world? The philosopher David Hume, writing in the 18th century, penned these words as he framed that problem. Were a stranger to drop suddenly into this world, I would show him as a specimen of its ills, a hospital full of diseases, a prison crowded with malefactors and debtors, a field strewn with carcasses, a fleet floundering in the ocean, a nation languishing under tyranny, famine or pestilence. Honestly, I don't see how you can possibly square this with an ultimate purpose of love. There's something we all feel to that question. If there is a God, doesn't he care? Is he able to do something about it? And if he does care and he is able to do something about it, then why doesn't he do something about it? Or to put it another way, doesn't the presence of so much suffering like coronavirus point to the fact that there is no God behind it all? There is no ultimate purpose of love in the universe. Well, what I want to do today is to look at this instant in Luke chapter 7, where Jesus raises a widow's son, and to see how this helps to give us some answers, some engagement with this question. First of all, we're going to see compassion to those who are suffering. And secondly, we're going to see hope of an end to all suffering. Let's look firstly at compassion to those who are suffering. The situation as we join the passage in Luke chapter 7 is desperate. Nain is a town, it's about 14 kilometres away from Nazareth, so Jesus would know it well. And as he approaches the town, he comes across a woman who has lost everything. The death of anyone is tragic. We're picking that up in the news at the moment as people die of COVID-19. But the death of a child is particularly tragic. Nicholas Waltersdorf wrote these words shortly after the death of his son. It's the neverness that is so painful. Never again to be here with us. Never to sit with us at the table. Never to travel with us. Never to laugh with us. Never to cry with us. Never to embrace us as he leaves for school. Never to see his brothers and sister marry. All the rest of our lives we must live without him. Only our death can stop the pain of his death. That was what the widow was facing, the neverness of death. She'd not only had to grieve the passing of her husband, but now she was grieving the death of her son. But there was more tragedy than just that. In a traditional society, her status and her economic well-being would be bound up with the male figures in her household. So now she's also facing a very uncertain future and a loss of status and reputation in society with the passing of her male heir. How is she going to cope? And this is the point about suffering. 
It's never abstract, it's always personal. I wonder what it is that you're facing as we all grapple with lockdown at the moment. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one, uh, one of the people who tragically has died as a result of coronavirus. Maybe you're fearful about the health of loved ones, maybe elderly parents that you're worried about. Maybe you've lost your job and you face an uncertain future. Maybe there's nothing particularly that's actually wrong, but you're just really struggling to cope with lockdown, the isolation, or maybe strain in relationships at home. Whatever it is, suffering is never general. It's always very particular and it's personal. And therefore, every one of us as human beings, no matter our ethnicity or age or background, we all need a philosophy of life that helps us to be able to engage with and cope with suffering when we face it. Well, into this situation, Jesus comes. Let's look at verse 12 and see how he responds. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. That phrase, his heart went out to her, is hugely significant. In the original, it literally means he was moved with compassion towards her. And in scripture, compassion always has two aspects to it. First of all, a very gut level, visceral engagement with the tragedy and the pain of a situation. And secondly, a deep desire and intention to do something about it. Now, why is that important? Well, did you notice um, where the funeral procession was going? We're told that it was going outside of the town gates. That's important because in the Old Testament, anything that was bound up with the things that were wrong in this world, spilled blood, disease or death, if you came into contact with it, it made you ceremonially unclean. It was a way that scripture communicates that there are profoundly wrong things in this world. And when they touch us, we know deeply, we feel that they're wrong. So Jesus, as he comes into this situation, validates our deepest intuitions that suffering isn't just the way the world is, certainly not the way the world should be. It's not just the natural order, but it's wrong. Deep inside of us, we say it shouldn't be like this. And Jesus, when he's moved with compassion, validates that. He says, yes, it shouldn't be like this. The world should be very different. Listen to these words of C.S. Lewis. My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call something crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing the universe with when I was calling it unjust? Jesus' compassion means at least two things. First of all, it speaks to the way that suffering shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be in God's world. And secondly, it gives us comfort and care when we're going through suffering. To speak to the first point, can I ask, if you don't believe in God, by what standard do you say that there is suffering in the world and that things shouldn't be like this? The tragedy of the natural order is that if you look at it, you'll see disease and death and pain. That's just part of the way the world is. It seems to be the circle of life. If there is no God in heaven, then it's just the way the world is. We might not like it, but we have to get used to it. But our deepest intuitions are much stronger. They say it shouldn't be this way. That implies an ultimate purpose. And that only makes sense if there's someone who gives us ultimate purpose, God. 
Secondly, where do you look to for compassion and care as you go through suffering? Do you see here Jesus' compassion for those who suffer? Someone has put it this way, that Jesus is the only God with scars. He did not remain disengaged from suffering. He became a person, was born into poverty, engaged with suffering, a person acquainted with grief, and then suffered himself on the cross. So that he is uniquely equipped as God to say to you, whatever you're going through, that I care about you and I know what you're going through. He can draw alongside us in our suffering and grief because he himself is not disengaged with our suffering and grief. Compassion to those who are suffering. Our second point is hope of an end to suffering. One of the things I know many, many people have been doing is looking to the news or looking to social media to try to look at the pandemic curve and try to see both how we're flattening the curve and secondly, how long the tail of the curve is likely to be. That is, how long is this going to go on for? And one of the reasons we're doing that is because we're seeking hope, hope of an end of this very particular pandemic and this particular suffering that we're facing. Well, in verse 14, Jesus gives us precious hope of an end to all suffering. Then he, Jesus, went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Well, initially you may say, look, these events didn't happen. This is a myth. This is not history. People don't come back from the dead. Well, please note that Luke doesn't write this as a myth. He writes it as history. He gives details like the place, name, and the people who are involved. And his gospel was in wide circulation by late AD 60. So people at the time would have been able to verify or falsify these events. But notice as Luke records these events as history, what he focuses on. Jesus touched the buyer. That detail seems to almost slow down and control the whole narrative because it's so significant. I've already talked about the way in Old Testament times, if you touched certain things like disease or death or blood, then you were deemed ceremonially unclean. So Jesus doesn't need to touch the funeral buyer here. And it's shocking that he does. He doesn't need to because in the earlier part of chapter seven, he's just healed a centurion servant when he's not even in physical proximity. No, by touching the funeral bar, he's making a really important point. Uh, we've become very aware of our touch at the moment, haven't we? Because of isolation, and that's the whole reason for it, so that we don't contaminate one another by touch. Just a small droplet of saliva on our hands and we touch even a surface and another person touched that surface, it could contaminate them. So we're suddenly very, very conscious of the importance of touch. Well, here's the question. Is Jesus' touch like our touch? That is that when he comes into contact with something like disease or death, he is contaminated by it. Or is his touch much more like what we hope will happen soon, a cure or a vaccine for COVID-19? And of course, when a cure or a vaccine comes into contact with something that is infected, it doesn't become infected. Rather, it cures or it brings immunity to the infected person or party. So which is Jesus? Is he like us or is he like the vaccine? Well, look again at verse 14. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. 
They're wonderful words, aren't they? Jesus gave him back to his mother. What makes them so wonderful is that they breathe fresh hope into a situation of death. Part of what makes death so awful, as the Bible sees it, is it is the terrible judgment on our rejection of God, our sin. You know, we're conscious at the moment that many people have a condition in this world, up to a million people formally diagnosed with COVID-19, and probably many, many more where the true figures to be known. But as ubiquitous as coronavirus is at the moment in the world, it's nothing compared to the condition that every human being has, regardless of age or ethnicity or gender or background, sin. Our rejection of God, the way that every person instinctively turns away from God, who is the source of all life and goodness. And in so doing, God gives us over in judgment to the consequence of that decision, to death and to a fallen world with things like disease and isolation in. But wonderfully, Jesus comes to give hope. He comes to take away death. How does he do that? Well, he, the source of all life, eventually dies on a cross so that we might have life. He, the pure one, who gives a healing touch, is touched by death on the cross so that we might be healed and set free. Dr. Amgad Al-Harani was tragically the first doctor in the UK to die of coronavirus. His brother described him after his death as a hero. And in the truest sense of the word, he is a hero because a hero lays down his life for others. It's the sacrifice of love. That's why the greatest act of heroism the world has ever known was when Jesus died on a cross. He lived the perfect life that we should live, but we don't. And then he died the death that we deserve to die for our sin, for the way that we turn away from God and don't live with reference to him. We don't want him in our lives. We try to do things our own way. And in so doing, Jesus took the penalty of our sin on himself. He took the judgment and the anger that God has at the way we reject him and all that's wrong with the world. He died so that we might have life. He was cursed so that we might be accepted. He took the penalty of sin so that we might be forgiven our sin and so that he might bring to us a healing touch. And those precious words that Jesus gave him back to his mother it's worth pausing for a moment and thinking about what it is that you are most feeling despair about at the moment, where you're lacking hope. What is it that's being taken away from you or threatens to be taken away from you that you're really worried about? Maybe you're worried about your job being taken away from you. Maybe your loved ones being taken away from you. Maybe you feel a loss of autonomy that that's been taken away from you. Maybe a loss of freedom that's been taken away from you. Well, the wonderful reality and the hope of the gospel is that when there is an end to all suffering, when Jesus wraps up this world and brings in the new creation, makes all things new, he will give back everything that we've lost and far, far more. Loved ones restored to us in relationship if we trust in him. Freedom given back to us where we might feel isolated and shut in. Nothing to worry about or fear about. Our health fully restored, never to decay, never to grow old. As it says in the wonderful book, The Lord of the Rings, everything that is bad becomes untrue. What a wonderful day that will be 
And when we stand there, Jesus gives all of those things back to us if we trust in him. What will our response be? Well, look at verse 16. They were all filled with awe and praised God. I know that one of the questions that we're all being forced to ask at the moment is where we look to for compassion and where we look to for hope in this lockdown season. And one of the challenges is that so many of the things that we would traditionally look to for those have been stripped away from us. Maybe friends and family that we can't be physically with and we're seeing over video call, but it's just not the same, is it? Um, maybe jobs that we'd rely on for security um, and therefore would give us some sense of hope in a situation like this have been taken away from us. So many of our sources of hope and the people we turn to for compassion are not with us at the moment. And that's part of what makes it so hard. But I hope you see that as we've asked this question, where is God in this pandemic, that he is there offering us compassion if we will turn to him in faith. And he is there offering us sure and certain hope because of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that one day there will be an end to all suffering. One day he will give everything back to us that we have lost if we trust in him. Well, as we look forward to that day, can I encourage you to draw near to him by faith? to trust in him, to look to him for your compassion that you need to get through this moment, to look to him for hope that will sustain you in the midst of this lockdown season. Only he is able to promise those things and give those things to us, but they are available to us if we will trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see your compassion and we see real hope of an end to all suffering. We do pray, of course, for an end to coronavirus, Lord God, and we know that you will work through governments and medics to bring that about in due time, and it will indeed end. But Lord, we long all the more for an end to all suffering. So Lord God, reassure us of the hope of the gospel and of that day when all things are made new through the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us in the meantime to trust in him as our source of compassion and hope, we pray. For his name's sake. Amen.